0: I serve as an elder along with Craig Jepson, and I wasn't supposed to be here this morning. This was Ed, Ed Schneider was scheduled to be bringing the message this morning, and he's another one we can lift up in prayer also continually, and her, his, his wife Renee, as he's battling and working through some confusing health issues. So he was to bring the message today, um, obviously it got changed. Next week, Jared will bring bring the message. It's Awana Sunday, and then the following Sunday after that. So two weeks from today will be the last Sunday for someone to bring the message outside of Jeff, who will be back the first Sunday in December. So I know we continually lift him and his family up in prayers for the rest, the recuperation, and regeneration that they've experienced through this sabbatical. Um, over So over, this is the ninth week. And the theme that Jeff designated that we'd have as messages here during his sabbatical would, was God's heart for the world. I think I didn't even grab the, my bulletin when I came up here. I think you've got a, maybe a little outline in your bulletin to kind of follow along and thank you tammy for reading the scripture that what you read probably that's kind of not like the world we know and that's what we're going to talk about is about about the contrast of the power and the humility of god and what that means to us his church body and to the world as a whole In the first, so it's been eight weeks ago. Jared he began and talked about remind us of the story of Jonah, and how God desires to come to uh, how God desires all to come to the knowledge of Him. He reminded us of that from the book of Jonah. In the second week, Scott Scott Kaczynski talked about a detailed and very resourceful account of what that message is to the world. The third week, Phil Eager, our missionary to the Baja Peninsula in Mexico, uh, he came and talked about, uh, he gave a first-hand account of how that message can be shared through connecting with people, where they live, and at their own level. The fourth week, Craig discussed prayer, and the vital uh, part that plays in our relationship with Christ, and remind us when we can't see God's Hand-working, trust his heart. Matt, Matt Vickers had the next week, just to remind you, and he, uh, he discussed our purpose is to share the gospel and with those we meet and the impact of that our testimony in commuting that. Share Jesus without fear. The next week, Pastor, Je- uh, Pastor Jared, he shared again Describing how God seeks after and saves those who sometimes we think are unredeemable, but God's got a way for them and uses them in His purposes. The seventh week, two weeks ago, Jason Crosby was here, uh, the manager from DLM, WDLM, and he asked, or he his he asked us the most important question that will ever be asked: What must I do to inherit eternal life? And then last week. Craig again brought a message about the struggles that we wrestle with regarding money and the folly of trusting that instead of and before God. So, contrasting things always seem to catch our attention. You look at a picture of white images against a black background, it's stark. It's very definable what you're looking at. Uh, obviously, the seasons are changing. It's getting cold where we're used to the warmth of the summer and early fall. So the contrasts are evident in our life. We see them happening all the time. Today we are going to focus on two seemingly opposite contrasting styles that God both expresses God's heart, that both expresses God's heart for the world, and they are power and the humility that shows, that's shown by God through His Word. But first, let's join in prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this morning. We've, we've come here to, trusting your word, the power, the majesty, the effectiveness that it has in the world in create all, cre- creating all things but more pointedly, how it changes lives. We just ask now that your Spirit would guide my words, that they be guided by you, by the Spirit, and prepare the hearts for those that you prepared to hear these words this morning. There's nothing I can do to add to it or detract from it not a desire, but it has a purpose, a purpose this morning, and I, want, I would ask that your Spirit prepare those who you've designed to receive that this morning. We lift these things in Jesus' name, amen. About a About a year and a half ago, it's almost two years now, it was in February of 2020, Jane and I and Jeff and Angie went to Moody Bible Institute for Founders Week. It was before the lockdown started. We'd heard, you know, it was in the news about uh, this virus that was going around, but, you know, nobody was really attentive to it yet. But we went to uh, Moody, and it's... I guess it was the first time, I guess the first time we had experienced, been there ourselves. And the keynote speaker that week, it starts on a Wednesday, I think, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, finishes on Friday night. The keynote speaker that week for that Founders Week was Francis Chan. And he uh, he's the, a former pastor of the Cornerstone Community Church in Simi Valley, California probably knows where that's at, and he was leaving, really, actually, this was on Friday evening, he was giving this message. The next day, he was taking his family, his four or five children at the time, they were leaving the next day to go to China, which, (laughs) again, we're experiencing this virus, and he's heading right to where, you know, the source was. But he was really going to Hong Kong. His mother back in the 50s, had done ministry there in Hong Kong, and he was determined and called by God to go back and minister and to, uh, to missionary to the people in Hong Kong. He spoke briefly about the responsibility that his teachers, our Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jared, Craig and I, those who teach, our held account of what we say, that it's true to God's Word. And that's it is something seriously that you pray about, you, cons- you consider in bringing, even what's being shared this morning. And it's something we should all continue in prayer each week for those, for, Jer- for Jared and for Jeff as we continue to go on, for those who bring the Word to us, to lift them up in prayer to give them wisdom, guidance, and to be, uh, be cooperative with the Spirit in leading and knowing what to teach and how to teach it. But he didn't he, he, he briefly spoke about that, but then he brought up a verse from Luke chapter uh, chapter eight, verse 18. So the 18th verse of chapter eight in Luke. And he focused on that. and that verse says, "So pay attention. To how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. The first phrase there says, So pay attention to how you hear. The responsibility is on the speaker, definitely but we as and i'm in the crowd listening that night and often listening here this on each morning it's do we hear god's word are we listening are we hearing what he has to say the spirit encourages and urges that but as our mind other other ways or are we thinking about other things distractions like craig said that can cloud out and clutter our life are we not hearing what God has to say. Sometimes, how do we listen? Uh, the, the, the command, hear the word of the Lord, shows up about 30 times in the Old Testament. Hear the word of the Lord. How many times you can recollect where that was said in the Old Testament? You know, the universal distress call for an airplane or a ship in the entire world is May Day, May Day mayday. It's repeated three times, and this is all over the world, no matter what language is spoken, every language, every person who's piloting a plane, a ship, or whatever, that hears, that, hears those words, knows someone is in distress. The word comes from the French. Um, Clementine, you could help me better with the, it's mayday, but it's the French word, that means, help me. That's what it's translating and saying, mayday, mayday, mayday. If we were on a ship or a plane that had just made a mayday call, you would listen intently for any response to offer for help. When we perceive that something is vital for our survival, we listen intently. Be careful how you hear, how you listen. We listen intently when we know it's for our survival. That's the attitude we should take in hearing God's Word. It's vital to our survival. So God's words are words of life that Jesus is urging us to pay attention to how you hear. So first, we're talking about the power, and we're going to talk about Humility, but first we're going to talk briefly, and I pray the, maybe the PowerPoint will, uh, you know, I didn't know if I <laughs> had that set up right, but uh, the verses might be up here, but if you get Bibles, uh, you know, grab onto them. We're going to be just going through a few different verses until we get to the verse that Tammy read, and so we, are, we are captivated about, by powers and display, displays of power. Here in the world we live in, and power can be manis- manifested in many ways. I'm captivated by these guys. I, I think I saw the guys who now has the world record in the deadlift. That's uh, a, a Swedish guy or Norway's Jorg Borschen or something like that is his last name. He lifted. He has the world record for lifting off the ground 501 kilograms, which is just over 1,100 pounds off the ground. So half a metric ton. (laughs) Obviously, the guy's not a little tiny guy. He really, (laughs) but it just amazes me, the power. And really, the fellow who first attained, because the 500 kilograms was like a mark. You know, nobody had done it. I think the record was 465. And this guy, I think it was an American, Peter Hall, I, I recall was his name. He lifted. He, you know, the record was 465, he wanted to do 500. So he did and did 500, he accomplished it, but at the same time he blew a blood vessel in his head. And he survived, I mean, he was okay, but he said, I'm never gonna do that again. <laughs> so, but this, like I say, this, uh, this Swede, he, uh, he, he beat his record now by 501. So it's amazing the power that we as humans can muster and develop. We're always uh, also astonished by cars or at least guys are, I guess, maybe cars that have powerful engines, rockets. We've seen the the, the different uh, uh, vehicles now or the the ships going into space, you know, defying gravity, carrying people into space. These are all things that are mechanical means that shows an essence of power. but there also can be a display of yearning for political power, for a power and influence over people and in directing people's lives and through government. And some, so sometimes these displays of power can make us stop and take notice and we either stand in awe or maybe in fear and dismay of that power being exposed. At Awana, this past week, um, Felipe, and I, just in a pause here, I, I wanted to um, mention last night, I, you know, I woke up this morning and I couldn't get this song out of my head, be our guest, be our guest. I couldn't get that out of my head. <laughs> and um, so I just want to, a, a, you know, applaud um, Junior, and the the work, and, and then all the all the students, you know, and maybe you know, that uh, partook in it. But junior, in just his uh, performance in that, and as a testimony to uh, Clementine, and and uh, in support of her, so maybe we just give him a hand. too. <laughs> and I just. Uh, <laughs> my brilliant wife (laughs) Uh, wrote a message after, that sent it to our children last night after the performance was done. This is kind of a sidebar, this right now. And I just wanted to read what she said because I think we all um, uh, share in that. She wrote, she says, it is one thing to be proud of our children who find success, but to see this young man perform is a completely different level of accomplishment. His mother came to America from Cameroon and with him and his older brother a mere six years ago and they had to escape America and er, escape to America and moved to various homes and, a, and was finally settled here in DeWitt. They had to learn English. And their mother became a U.S. citizen this year. She's sending this to our kids. She says, that, my beautiful family, is a story of perseverance and God's grace. We are humbled by this young man's success. So, Junior, Clementine, our blessings. Thanks. Um, (laughs) So, at Iwana this past week, I was... Standing next to Felipe, and Felipe asked me, he says, he said, "How did God create all things?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, how do you believe he did?" And Felipe said, "He spoke it. He spoke the universe into existence so a young man who has wisdom and understanding that many people today struggle with. But he knows and he is assured that that's the power of God displayed that he, through his word, spoke everything into existence. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1, do we have that up there, Stephanie? There you go. Uh, Another Awana verse that uh, is memorized. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. From God's word, out of nothing came everything. This word we hold in our hand is right here is waiting for us to read it and allow it to accomplish its purpose. When I hear see that word purpose, Matt always reminds me of Isaiah fifty five eleven. I'm not sure if I had that or not. Uh, But it says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which it was sent. Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away. The power of God's words. Jesus related about things to come and yet to happen, and he still reminded us that the word will still remain. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is finally fixed in the heavens. In different versions, um, Instead of the word fixed, they say settled or stands firm. So it's rock solid. Now Jesus provides guidance and instruction on on the necessity and importance of the word in our lives. One of my favorite verses is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And if you have a Bible, let's turn to that quick. And if not, I think I, yeah great. I have that one up there. Pretty small print though. And this is an account of Jesus stopping at Martha and Mary's house on the way, or just leaving from, Bethany. And obviously their brother was uh, Lazarus, but in this account it just talks about Martha and Mary. And want to read that says so now as they went on their way Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching but Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said Lord do you not care that my sister Has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus provides guidance and instruction on the necessity and the importance of the word in our lives. In Luke 10, 38 to 42, the gospel writer shares the incident of Jesus stopping at the home of Martha and Mary. And Jesus' response was to Martha was gentle. I think in the, new, in the NLT, New Living Translation, and I'm reading from the ESV, it says, uh, Martha, Martha. Um, in the New Living Translation, I, I believe it might say, my dear, dear Martha. So it was, it was a gentle rebuke. It wasn't like he was scolding her, he just said, Martha, Martha, your sister has and is holding on to the thing that's vital to her life. God's Word. She was listening to the words of of Jesus and knowing and understanding that that's the most important things vital for her to survive and live. Now I don't go to the doc- when I <laughs> I don't go to the doctor and visit him about trivial things. I don't know if they really charge by the hour. Probably do like lawyers, but but they have you know you go to the doctor. I don't go down there to have coffee with him. I go to the doctor to find out what's wrong with me, what's ailing me. Jesus has the words of life, and we need to give special attention to his teaching. We need healing, we go to the doctor. Physical healing. We need healing in our spirit, we go to Christ. Now we can spe- see the power of God through his word and creation and the changing of lives. Jesus calmed the waves and filled the nets with fish. And now this, <laughs> this was a very short overview and you can get, uh, actually I was going to, see, oh, yeah, hopefully we'll be done by 10. (laughs) That we, there's much to talk about with God's power, and it's evident. And the power of God's word is to create and accomplish accomplish its purpose. But God is not only exemplified in power by, by his word, but as a contrast in humility. Now, humility... Like and let's all. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to what Tammy read in Philippians chapter two, starting at verse one. Because we'll be just concentrating on this the rest of the way, and try to we won't go through all the eleven verses, but we're we want to get the essence of it to show what this is an example for us as a body of Christ. Humility is something that we're not attracted to. It's not in our nature to be humble. It's probably really supernatural. Uh, And I'm going to follow Craig's advice to a lead. You know, I think it was last week or one time you mentioned as far as up here speaking, I'm speaking to myself because I'm a chief offender. And so I'm going to use the word I instead of we. Because I'm saying these words to myself, you know, but I, I want to feel noticed and recognized. That's not humility. Now the word comes from the Latin word "humilis," meaning low. I've tried, to, and I've tried to remove all the times. Or I'm Like Craig said in one of his messages, it's, this is more about speaking to us each individually. So let's turn to, if you have your Bibles, and I believe the first part, first few um, verses will be up here uh, in the, on the wall. And we're going to focus on the first four verses, because this is Paul writing a letter to the Philippians. A real, probably not his, you know, not a problem church for him. Really, in, in fact, it was a, a wonderful church, probably for the most part. It still had some issues, but he wrote this letter as encouragement and an example for them to uh, uh, deal with maybe some issues that they did have. And so we're, let's read through the first four verses and follow along, and we'll reread what Tammy read earlier. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's really taking the focus off of myself. Now in these verses, there's um, the phrase there, really starts in verse 2, where it says, Complete my joy. And as parents, (laughs) we are, when we see our children cooperating, communicating with each other, maybe after they leave the house, sometimes they, the last person they're going to talk to is their brother or sister. But as parents, we're encouraged, we have joy when we see our children communicate and share and really encourage each other. When they don't, when they don't, It saddens us. And that's Paul's attitude here. These are his children and this church in Philippi, and he wants to have his joy completed by knowing and following the instructions that he's giving now coming up here to bring joy. So it's kind of personal. As a parent, we share that, and so does God as our parent, our father, and and has joy when we as a body of Christ work together in unity. If you remember, yeah, when Jeff was doing Colossians, and just going back to the beginning of this verse, because it says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, really lists four different things there. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. So we lists four different things there. And they are not things that might happen. They are realities. If you remember, Jeff talked about, and we were doing Colossians, I think it was Colossians 3, and that verse starts off, or that chapter starts off, with the word if. But it's really more correctly translated since. Because it's not a question of if this is true or not. These things, those first four things, are absolutely true. So it's not a question of if they are true or not. It's it's a, a positive since they are true. Thus. So Jeff reminded us, and this is another instance where Paul uses that same uh, form, and it's translated the word if, but I think maybe some of your versions may even have the word since instead of the word if. But in ESV, it does start off with if, but it's not that those four things are, well, maybe true. They're absolutely true. So and he believes that they are, but he wants them to continually, the purpose is in saying those, he wants them to, per, to personally examine themselves. Are those true to me? Because in the aspect of God and, and Jesus and, and the relationship and what they bring, what they have for us, they are true. But have we, again, listened? Are we hearing what he's saying? and making it a reality by allowing that to change our heart inside of us. And that's why Paul is saying this. So individually he's saying, examine yourselves. This is true, do you believe it's true? He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, uh, being in full accord and of one mind. Now the new American standard Says being of the same mind, in, you know, being of the same mind, maintain the same love, united in spirit, and intent on one purpose. Now, I've been have been involved in a few sports teams, and um, I never coached one like like Doug. And it's you get a sense of whether your team will be successful or not. And this really speaks to, from Philippians here, four vital things that if a team is going to be successful, four things that it needs to do to be successful. In verse 2, it says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind or purpose, those are the four points that if a team is going to be successful, being of the same mind. There, there's nobody that's above anybody else. Everybody has different abilities and talents, and those benefit the whole body. But there's no, like Matt always says, you know, the cross is, you know, the ground's level at the cross. There's no levels that some people fit into and others don't. So, being of the same mind, vital. Maintaining the same love. Who is our basis? What is the basis for the love that we experience? United in spirit. The Holy Spirit encourages and enables that. And then intent on one purpose. What are we here for? What is our purpose? A team, a foot, I'm thinking about football team, basketball team, They, those things are all vital that if the team will be successful, that all four of those things need to be in place. And the same goes for the body of Christ here in the church. Uh, really, if the team doesn't, it becomes... Uh, not only ineff- ineffective, but unenjoyable. Uh, in the Bible Knowledge Commentary by John Wolford, uh, he comments that a spirit of pride in human relation indicates a lack of humility before God. If I lack, if I lack the ability to be humble, to my brothers and sisters in Christ, how can I be humble to God? If I don't have the ability to be humble to you, as my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm kidding myself if I'm believing I'm going to be humble to God. In verse 3, he explains the unity has both negative directives. Um, because in verse 3 it says, um, so do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Don't do those. Don't be selfish. Don't be conceited. More negative directives. But it's followed by a positive directive that says about humility that can be expressed. Uh, but in, in, hum- in humility, count others more significant than yourself." Touching on verse 4, let each of, let each of you look not only on his, to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So he doesn't say, cast your interests away. Just don't let them overcome you. Don't let your interests consume you. Pay attention to them. Take care of your needs. Take care of what you need to do. But be interested in the interests of others. Because maybe even their needs aren't being met in some way. So take that focus off yourself and turn it towards the interests of others. So those first four verses are speaking Paul to this church. And he's giving a groundwork of what humility is and how that will... Uh, bring the body together. so But he needs an example. And so he brings in the example now in the verses coming here in 5, 6, 7, and 8. And that example is Jesus. The example of humility. So in verse 5, and let's read verses 5 through 8 together again. Uh, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So in verse 5, he brings forward this supreme example of humility. The humility demonstrated by Jesus. Uh, the Living Translation belief says you must have the same attitude that, Jesus Christ, that Christ Jesus had, where he talks about um, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. It says that in the ESV and the NLT, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. We've all met someone or even caught ourselves saying to ourselves, you got a bad attitude. And it, it directs, really our attitude directs how we do things and how we relate to others. Um, the attitude that Paul and Christ is pointing to here is a selfless humility. It's not just humility, but it's removing ourselves. It says Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself to become a servant. Yeah, I'll just mention this. I know Jane was confused when I wrote it down, and rightly so. But in verse 6, that's always kind of a phrase that's kind of, a, I just didn't quite grasp. Again, in the ESV, in verse 6, it says, uh, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. A thing to be, to be grasped. Excuse me. Was um, confusing me because it's like oh, Jesus is God. Why does he need to find something else? Or it's like he was grasping on to something else. And it says he didn't view that as something to be grasped. I think a more clearer. Um, description in that verse is in um, the NIV. So so if you have the NIV, I don't have that up here, but in the NIV, NIV, it says, instead of a thing to be grasped, it says, something to be used to his own advantage. So the point is, Jesus, he did not exploit his equality with God for his selfish ends because it was something he didn't use to his own advantage. Again, he emptied himself to become the servant. In emptying, in emptying himself, in verse 7, he didn't cease to be God, and the verse, that verse doesn't say that he gave up any of his attributes of God. Really, these verses really speak to the equating that and teaching that Jesus was fully God, but fully man also. In these verses, really, in these verses uh, from five through uh, eight, it really, if you want to study through that, these are some verses speaking to that understanding that he was fully God and fully man. Uh, So, but in doing this, he did not cease to be God when he emptied himself. The, the verse doesn't say that he gave up any of his attributes as God. It just says, it says Jesus emptied himself of not his deity, but of his self-interest. And Paul is using, uh, this as an example for us as followers of Christ, to empty ourselves of our jealousy, our titles, The things we hold on to, the things that, again, not we, the things that I hold on to and want to hold close because they bring maybe recognition or a feeling of worth. Jesus had all the worth in the world, in the universe, and he set it aside by emptying himself, to become a servant. Paul's using this as an example for us as followers to empty ourselves. A servant that sees others more significant than yourself and not dwelling always on my own interests, but on the interests of others. Now on our own, <laughs> I can't do this, I can't do this. Oh, I can make an appearance. I, can, I can't make a good, as good of a um, performance as Junior or someone who's an actor. I can't do that well, but I can make a pretty good show that um, I'm caring, I'm comforting. I'm serving, I can make a show of that. But unless I empty myself of these self-interests, just like Jesus did, and allow God's Holy Spirit to be active in my life, to change my attitude, my attitude being changed, changes my actions. It is then that I will experience unity and encouragement, and only then with my brother and sister in Christ. I can't do this on my own. It's the indwelling of <laughs> the all-powerful redeeming, redeeming love of Jesus Christ in my heart, in my body, to change me. Like it says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. And it, you didn't change yourself. God did it. The old's gone. The, whole, the new has come. Now as I... We're going to, like I mentioned last night, we're going to land this airplane now and kind of come into a, the end here. And so I, I guess I'd invite the praise team If you just start coming up now, and so we'll pray together while we're all standing here as one. And, uh, but I just want to focus on that the message is this, we have the power of God's Word to depend on, again, and I don't want to, Tammy read the last 9 through 11, that's who we worship. That's who we worship. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We have the power of God's word to depend on, and we can be assured it is faithful and true with the power to rescue the lost and redirect. Sometimes we wander. Even knowing Christ, we get off track. He's there to help us redirect, to refocus. So it's not only the ability to rescue the lost, but it's also the ability to redirect us as we sometimes wander. In witnessing to a lost world and relating to what Matt shared in his message, if we cannot be in unity as a body of Christ, if we can't be in unity as a body of Christ, Why would a lost world look here for answers? If we can't humble ourselves to each other and look after each other's interests, we're no different than a lost world. Why would they come here for answers? This building is not a church. This, you, are the church. We could be meeting out there in the grass. Probably not a great idea today. Be a little chilly and maybe wet. We could meet out there in the grass with nothing. We're together. It's the church. This building is not a church. We are the church. If you remember when we, back in early 2020, when we closed down. We didn't have services here. And Jeff started doing messages online. If, re- if you recall, I remember, you know, because he was you know, searching what, how do we talk to the, you know, our body, our, our church now. Because it's online, it's, you know, you're talking to a screen, listening to uh, an image on a screen. And, but his, his focus, he focused on through those months, those early months, let the church be the church. Let the church be the church. So we have the example of Christ that, and what he gave us on how to be in unity with each other by humbling ourselves to one another. Let me correct that. I have the example of Christ that he gave us, that he gave me on how to be in unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ by humbling myself to one another. When that happens and the church comes alive comes alive, then you will see God's power revealed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we recognize we praise for all you have done, all you do, and all you will do for us. We will still meet up with difficulties, and there'll be times that we wonder why and where to, what do I do now? Those questions will still come up. But may we also be reminded that you instructed us to rejoice always, pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances, for that's your will for us in Christ Jesus.